folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I am recording this, uh, following a really nice Denver Broncos victory. Congrats to the Broncos. Congrats to Broncos fans. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater gets a really nice start. His first victory in a Nuggets, or a Nuggets, a Broncos uniform. Very cool for them. Not great, uh, not great results on my fantasy team in fantasy week one. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to bemoan that. In, in all honesty, I don't care. It's week one. We've still got plenty of time. This podcast episode is going to mostly be about Nikola Jokic, and I'm sure you guys are really going to complain about that one. It's it's definitely not a bad thing. As somebody who has been doing the Peak 75 series that uh, Josh Eberle uh, has been putting together. He's reached out to a variety of uh, writers, content creators, uh, basketball folks, and he tapped me to do that. And I, I, of course, said yes. I think it's a very interesting project, and it really helped me uh, sort of get my frame of mind and frame of reference ready uh, to really talk about this season and talk about what it means for the NBA to be in their 75th anniversary and just sort of what that means for the Nuggets and for the NBA at large. And Nikola Jokic is on that list. He's he's on the list of potential candidates to be in the NBA's top 75. He will be in my top 75, that is for sure. We kind of do the grading system a little bit differently, and you guys will probably hear a little bit about that when that gets released sooner or later, but it was a really interesting exercise, and and doing that, looking at the pictures of Nikola Jokic as he has returned to Denver and is just getting involved and being at Red Rocks and being around town, being around the team, he looks to be in great shape. Just absolutely fantastic shape. Maybe the best shape of his NBA career. And it coincides with his prime. It coincides with the time where you want him to be at his best, where the Nuggets need him to be at his best, frankly, given so much relies on him. So much relies on the Joker, on Big Honey, and what he can do on a consistent basis to sort of elevate this group. And isn't it funny that after winning MVP, after getting married, he's going to have a baby soon. Uh, if he hasn't already, with Jamal Murray being out for most of the year. Jokic clearly has reasons, in my opinion, to consider this season with the Nuggets to be a gap year. Both kind of individually, team-wide, Michael Porter is still kind of in need of an extension, as is Aaron Gordon. Uh, If Denver doesn't get those guys in gear, if they don't get back Jamal Murray in time, then it's sort of difficult to make a, a, a serious championship run without all of those things coming together. So Jokic, if he wanted to, he could have absolutely uh, taken his time. He had the reasons. He had the uh, the cadre, the, the uh, credit, I would say, based off of what he's done so far, that he didn't have to come back in the best shape of his life, but it looks like he did. He looks slim in better shape than he possibly has ever been, and potentially, he's a better player because of it. This is what happened after the bubble, uh, when he really had to turn things on. He he, When the going got tough in the 2018-19 playoffs, the playoffs before the bubble, 
against the San Antonio Spurs, against the Portland Trailblazers. He was great then too. So when the pressure gets turned on, he seems to become a better player. And the Nuggets, they had their pressure the pressure on for a lot of the time in the bubble and beyond. Jokic especially, because he was asked to do a lot of different things with the turnover that the team had, with the injuries that the team had, trying to incorporate Michael Porter Jr., trying to get through some Jamal Murray struggles before Murray sort of figured some things out, and then ultimately tying everything together. There's no reason for Jokic to continue getting better than that, because the MVP season that he just put together, it's one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen at least in my opinion, it didn't finish up in the playoffs the way that most would have wanted to. But when you just compare MVPs, when you just compare from that year, the best seasons to have won MVP, he's at least average in terms of the kind of numbers that he's put up. And I'd actually argue he's probably better than that, just based off of that year. Was it as good as Steph Curry's unanimous MVP? Probably not. Was it as good as LeBron James's 2012-2013 MVP with the Miami Heat? Probably not. Jordan's MVPs? Maybe one or two of them, but probably not most of them. But you start to go real, really down the list here, and you think, oh man, if this is the version of Jokic that wasn't in as good of a shape as he is right now, what could Jokic potentially do? There's a lot to consider there. And if he is even better than he is now, then it's a pretty scary sight. All of his improvements, really, or at least the the vast majority of his appearance uh, of his improvements, seem to occur when he gets into the best shape that he possibly can. Between the years, he's one of the best players in the NBA and has been for a long time. It's just when his body can kind of do the things that he wants it to do on a consistent basis, and then sort of trump the things that opposing players are expecting him to do by simply being more athletic, by simply being stronger, quicker, faster than he usually is. There are lots of reasons to think that because Jokic already downloads information like a supercomputer mentally, that combining that with the ability to get past people, to go over people, to go around people, to go through people, could really, really aid in his ceiling. He's already put together a great year. What does getting even better look like? I wanted to take a look at that really quick here. How could Nikola Jokic improve on both ends of the floor? Let's start with the offensive end, because I think that one's actually kind of harder to figure out because he's already such a great offensive player. Jokic may be the most complete offensive player in the entire NBA. He probably isn't. I'd still probably give that title to LeBron James or Kevin Durant. But could he be third? Probably. If he were to take on an even larger scoring and playmaking load, then it would be the likes of which we haven't even really seen before. He already has the most touches in the half court among all players. If he was consistently using those touches to create for himself, to create for others, he he always does that, don't get me wrong. 
but pushing the envelope even more. Uh, Luka Doncic carries a very heavy usage rate and a very heavy assist rate. Players like LeBron James have always done the same. Russell Westbrook, uh, they always carry a heavy load. It's the efficiency with which you play that really determines the effectiveness of that carrying. Uh, Jokic has always been a very efficient player, but if he can continue to increase the playmaking load and the scoring load to different and higher levels, he's going to turn into an even better player. He already averages nearly 11 rebounds, so he's at 26 points, 8 assists. What if he took that to 28 points and 9 assists and 11 rebounds? That's impossible. It really is impossible for a center to be able to do that, but it's within grasp. It's just one extra bucket, one extra assist. Could he do that? Probably. Could he get up to 30 points? Could he get up to 10 assists? I don't think so. I think that without Jamal Murray, he's the, the scoring load is probably going to be easier than the playmaking. It's one of the things that we saw in the playoffs this past year that his assist numbers can be a little bit limited because teams will play him one-on-one and force him to score. The problem is that when they do that, he has to be going for 40 and not 30 on a consistent basis. That is how the best players do it. When you think about defending LeBron James, when you think about defending Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, You want to limit as many great opportunities as possible. And so teams generally try and do that. They they sometimes, maybe even most of the time, succeed. But with LeBron specifically, they will try to take the ball out of his hands if they're dumb. If they're smart, they will stick to the players that are kind of the supporting cast around him, force him to go for 50 points. And he doesn't want to do that. It's the same with Jokic. He's capable of doing it consistently, but what he wants to do is get others involved. The difference is that LeBron can scale a little bit better with the scoring. With going from uh, a 30-point performance being his high-water mark to a 40-point performance. Like, those are the the great LeBron, or the good LeBron games. Great LeBron games, excuse me are a little bit different because they'll get everything involved. But if you're just choosing one thing, let's say Jokic is in this boat, is in this boat consistently, it's going to be more important for those 30-point performances to turn into 40-point ones. And the easiest way for him to do that is to draw more fouls. It's not necessarily something that he can control, but it will slow things down for him in the playoffs, in the regular season, So that if he is handling a heavier scoring and playmaking load, at least some of that can come at the foul line, where the most efficient points are going to happen, other than dunks and layups. If that happens consistently, if he is, instead of averaging, I believe he's at six free throws a game right now, or five and a half, he averaged a career high in free throw attempts per game in the regular season of five and a half. In the playoffs, same thing. Still five and a half. That's a pretty good sign that he was able to maintain that. When it gets back to this regular season, though, 
You want them to stay aggressive. You want them to be among the free throw leaders because those are the easiest ways to collect easy points. Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Giannis, if he was hitting more of them consistently, LeBron. Those guys know how to get to the foul line. James Harden as well. And there are a lot of guys that know how to do that. And it's just a pillar of how they get there. If Jokic could get there, we're talking about a 30-point-per-game scorer here. Another way that he could probably make this offensive improvement, handling the basketball a bit more as a pick-and-roll threat. The fact that I'm even talking about that and even considering that I think is a really big deal because if you're Nikola Jokic, you grew up as a center. He, he did play as a point guard, but quickly learned that, hey, you're going to be the biggest guy on the court. You're going to learn center things. And he does a great job in the post, getting rebounds, getting tips, uh, doing things around the rim. But if he can do more things on the perimeter, dribbling the ball, getting and finding new angles, forcing defenders to crowd him, and drawing defenders in the way that a guard or a playmaking forward would, that opens up the court even more. It opens up the playbook even more. It makes it easier to work with other non-shooters. Because let's say you're Aaron Gordon. Let's say you've been having a pretty tough stretch of shooting. And rather than going, you've gone 0 for 8 in the past three games from the three-point line. Rather than just kind of throwing your head against the wall, consistently trying to get that to work, using him as a screener more consistently takes advantage of that. The problem if you're the Nuggets is that you want the ball in Jokic's hands, and usually Jokic operates as the screener because it puts him in the center of the floor. If he was the one handling the ball and doing so consistently, then that would really help Denver's de- or their offense because it puts everybody else in a position of strength, especially somebody like Aaron Gordon, because then it takes advantage of his athleticism, his ability to get to the rim and do what he does best. That versatility would really help Jokic out, just as a different counter for what other teams are consistently doing. He already does some handling of the basketball. He'll dribble the ball up the court pretty consistently, but the pick and rolls that he normally does are either 5-1 with Murray, or they'll throw in the occasional Aaron Gordon screen. They don't usually do that much else with him as an actual pick and roll guy, so I'd like to see them experiment with that. And then last thing, just higher three-point percentage. If he can get above 40, that'll really change things for him. It'll really make things more interesting for the entire offense, because There was a time where he was up above 40 this past year. It went down to 38. It sort of trended down as he wore down a little bit as the season wore on. If he could keep that above 40 for the entire year, it will continue to make things more dangerous when he drives to the rim, when teams are closing out on him, when he wants to do the pump fake and drive, it's going to cause defenders to bite even more. And he does a great job of that already. It's just about maximizing. It's just about going from a, a B-plus uh, pump fake and drive guy to an A or an A-plus. Because that's where we are with Nikola Jokic on the offensive end. 
I think it's important to discuss it like that. All right, when we come back, I want to get into more defensive conversation with Nikola Jokic because I believe this one is actually easier to discuss. And I think there is a very straightforward path for Nikola Jokic to become a better player. We will be right back. We're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support as we get started, as we get ever closer to the start of the NBA season. Uh, Denver Stiffs doing well, making sure everybody's getting back into the swing of things, having a grand old time, generating some good content. We will be back up with a a much more normal schedule uh, as the season gets ever closer. There will be some things that we discuss as a staff and will continue to provide for our readers over the course of that time. So make sure to check it out, denverstiffs.com. All right. The defense of Nikola Jokic. He is a limited defender, first and foremost. I think it's important to acknowledge that. I think it's important to say that among most MVP guys, uh, I think that Jokic is not one of the worst defensive guys, but he's definitely not in the above average tier of those guys. So like, for example, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, uh, there he's never going to be that level of defender. Uh, Giannis, never going to be that level of defender. KG, Hakeem, Tim Duncan, guys like that. He's not going to be that. And asking him to be that would be crazy because he's already such a great offensive player that he might not be a better offensive guy than like LeBron and MJ. But I think it's very, very possible that he could be better offensively than most of the other guys who have ever won an MVP before. And that's saying something. But the defense is something that he can continue to get better at. And it's as he pays more attention, as he gets smarter, as he gets more physically fit, He's in a great spot right now where he can turn himself into an all-around positive defender, somebody that everybody considers to be a positive guy universally, because there's a lot of discussion about Nikola Jokic's defense, about how he gets burned in space and how when he has a guard against him, somebody like Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker or Chris Paul, Damian Lillard. That those guys cook him. Well, yeah, because they cook every center. If it was Joel Embiid out there, they'd probably cook him too. We have plenty of video evidence of people cooking Rudy Gobert to a crisp on the perimeter. It's not always great. Rudy has really improved in that regard to the point where it doesn't even necessarily matter that he's not great out there, but he's just so fantastic everywhere else that you make it work. Jokic can do that, and he can really help himself out in a couple of different ways. The first is to improve as a drop coverage defender. The reason why it is so important in the regular season is because all of the best defenses, every single one, utilizes drop coverage as their primary defense during the regular season. 
the Utah Jazz, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Los Angeles Lakers, all of those teams, they play with a big rim protector under the rim. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, when they were at the top, they were doing the same thing. And it wasn't because they had Giannis at the four, it was because they had Brooke Lopez at the five. And I think that Brooke Lopez is a pretty good analog here for what you would want Nikola Jokic to do. Brooke isn't the most athletic guy. And at his age, he's definitely not stopping the Chris Pauls and the Devin Bookers and the Donovan Mitchells on the perimeter. But he is a good defender, and I think everybody universally considers him a good defender, despite the fact that he gets cooked by those players. So why is it that Jokic doesn't have that reputation yet? Well, it's because Jokic doesn't play drop defense. The Nuggets have asked him consistently what he wants to do, and the best thing that he feels like he can do is to play at the level, is to get aggressive out in passing lanes is to do his best to get his hands on the ball, use his length, use his girth uh, to sort of block off the rim and block off driving lanes for guards at the pass, at the, uh, at the, the outset of a pick and roll. It's not always the best system, though, because Denver has really been kind of flamed over the course of the past couple seasons in the playoffs when they've played out at the level. And it's because of the backside rotations. It's because it makes it so much more difficult on the backside, on the weak side, and on the player that's rotating into the middle to do everything, to play four on three. The best way in the regular season to sort of combat that is to try to guard as many pick and rolls as you can two on two. Denver doesn't always have the personnel for that, and it's not always Jokic's fault when they give up points to the guard. Perhaps it's the guard who's defending, who could be a little bit better too. Whether that's Jamal Murray, whether it's Will Barton, whether it was Gary Harris in the past, who, while being a really good defensive guard, could struggle at times just guarding in regular pick and roll. Denver needs better guards defensively overall. P.J. Dozier could be an option there, uh, as could Austin Rivers, but that's not the point. The point is for Nikola Jokic to prove that he can play drop defense, to, to prove that he can do the things in the regular season that help his teammates out, specifically Michael Porter Jr., specifically Aaron Gordon. Those guys are the ones that have to cover on the back line most of the time. They're the ones that are sort of left out to dry. Paul Millsap was really good at playing the back line and was a great rotational team defender. The Nuggets don't have prime, or not, or not prime, but a great defensive forward like that that's built like that. What they do have is Aaron Gordon, who's much better man-on-man, much better athletically, much better as a switch guy. So they can use that in the clock. They can use that against players like Luka Doncic. But the best thing that they can do is to get Jokic to a place where he can defend the ball well in drop. And to do that, he's going to have to get stronger and more agile 
as a rim protector. Too often, when he gets caught in the two-on-one, it's a lost cause. Too often, when the guard who's defending gets bumped off of their screen or gets bumped off of their man by the screen, and then Jokic is facing two guys going downhill, it's a layup line. And it's a layup line for a lot of guys. I think what what folks don't necessarily understand is that when it's full on two on one, then it can be really tough for anybody, for Rudy Gobert, for Joel Embiid, for Anthony Davis, because the guys that are across from them are professionals too. They know what they're doing. They know how to play. But if Jokic can close the gap just a little bit, instead of being when he jumps and when he's kind of reaching out his arms trying to contest shots, if he has a I don't know, a nine foot six uh, kind of standing reach, jumping reach, max reach on those plays. If he's at 10 foot, sort of protecting the rim a little bit more, then that sort of changes things. That sort of affects how the game can be played. I think that's pretty aggressive. I think maybe eight, six to nine foot, I think is probably a better uh, general reach there. The point being, of course, is that the better Jokic can be individually, it has a spiral effect for the rest of the team. And then Michael Porter doesn't feel like he's on an island consistently when he's put into pick and roll coverage with Nikola Jokic. All Porter has to do is get over the screen, contest from behind, don't foul. Jokic will do his best not to foul either, and he'll try to kind of catch the offensive player, catch the ball when that driver is driving right at him with a roll man on his side. And then if he can do his best to slide over and make sure to contest those shots, not give a 80% shot and instead give a 65% shot, then he's going to be in business. Then the Nuggets are going to be better because I have a fear that this team may slide on the defensive end. Without Jamal Murray, who is a good defender, the Nuggets are going to be stretched a little thin. They're going to be trying harder on the offensive end. And by extension, we'll probably have a little bit less energy defensively. The better that Jokic can get on both ends of the floor will allow those players a little bit of an easier, clear mind to be able to do what they need to do on a consistent basis. That's the hope. That's the dream. If Denver can get to that position, then they're going to be good. And Jokic is going to be good. This could really have a positive impact on players like Michael Porter as he continues to develop, as he tries to find his way. Remember the level of defender that Jamal Murray was in his third season. When he was just coming into his own, when everybody got injured other than Jokic, and they really had to iron out the Jokic-Murray two-man game. Murray wasn't a great defender then. He turned into one. Porter can turn into one as well. But it's going to take some getting used to. It's going to take some growing pains 
And the easier that Jokic can make those growing pains, the better the Nuggets are going to be. Hypothetically, if Jokic were to improve slightly on the offensive end, and let's say he's averaging 27, 11, and 7 on similar efficiency, assists are a little down, but the scoring is up. If he were to improve slightly on the defensive end, and the Nuggets, who have been 11th and 12th the past couple years, in defense, basically, if they get into the top 10. How can you not credit him for potentially winning another MVP? Could he go back to back if nobody else steps up and takes that mantle away? Then what is stopping Nikola Jokic from winning a second MVP, for winning back to back? It's happened a lot in the past where you have certain players who run things for a specific period of time. Could it be Jokic this time around? I think it's very possible. Could he be the best player in a playoff series against any team that he comes up against if he makes small improvements on the offensive and defensive ends? I think it's possible. I don't think he's there quite yet. I think if he ran into the Brooklyn Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks, then I think it's very possible that Giannis would be the best player or Kevin Durant would be the best player. I think if he ran into the Lakers, then it could be LeBron who's the best player. Oh, no. But it's a non-zero chance that Jokic is the guy and that he's just reaching his prime And that when he wants something, he isn't going to be stopped. And that could be on the offensive end. It could be on the defensive end. It could be with how far the Nuggets decide to go. It could be with when Murray comes back. How much burden can Jokic take while Murray sort of works himself into shape? While Porter is trying to become his own all-star. Can the Nuggets still win games? on the back of their MVP candidate? I think these are all fair questions. And it is great for the Nuggets that it's all within the possibility that Jokic has not yet shown a ceiling yet. Until he shows that, until it's veritably proven, if I could say words, until it is proven, I am going to believe that he is going to continue to get better. And that is a scary thing for the rest of the league. Let's take our final break. When we come back, we are going to get into Monday positivity. As as negative as that entire 30 minutes was, we will be right back. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Final segment here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Monday Positivity making its return uh, just two weeks from Media Day. That is a really, really great thing. 
If you're a basketball fan, if you're a Nuggets fan, you've probably been itching just for the basketball to come back, just like me. I've been I've been taking my time. I've been uh, definitely having a break here or there. I went on vacation last a couple weeks ago, as you know. But now I'm back, and now I'm ready. I am ready to go. We are just over five weeks from the start of the regular season. 37 days from Monday until the Nuggets go to Phoenix and play the Suns on national TV in their opener. That is going to be a fun game. It's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be something that the Nuggets are they're probably gearing up for. They're probably just as excited as everyone else is. They want some revenge for sure. The majority of the team, they're back in town. They're all smiles. They're getting their practice in. I don't know if you guys have seen on social media, but the Nuggets social media accounts, they have been posting players, posting workouts, posting videos, and photos. Jokic, Zeke Naji, Monte Morris, Bones Highland, PJ Dozier, Jamichael Green. All of these guys have been back in town. They've been getting ready. Been exciting. Faku Kamposa just made his return too. Everybody was excited about that one. They're going to have their runs pretty soon. They're going to be playing the the open runs. Get into the gym. Get to face everybody. Get better. Improve. It's going to be interesting to see how those runs are going. I'm looking forward to it. Nikola Jokic, as you know, as I've said ad nauseum here, he looks great. Looks motivated. He is currently 8th on the MVP odds on DraftKings. That is a travesty. If you are interested in making some money, go bet on Nikola Jokic to win MVP. He is going to win. That is my prediction. The Nuggets, they addressed a need that cropped up in the playoffs last year. Something that's really gone under-discussed. Jeff Green is really good. Jeff Green is actually way better than a lot of people give him credit for. He was one of the most important players on the Brooklyn Nets last year. Probably the top three were the stars, of course. Four was Joe Harris. You could make an argument that Jeff Green was five, even even over Blake Griffin when they brought him in. Jeff Green was extremely valuable, and the need that he addresses for Denver is he gets them to be more athletic. He gets them to be a little bit more versatile. Paul Millsap, uh, as, as awful as it is to see him go after four years, to not see him be able to get his ring, Paul Millsap was definitely losing a step or two. And Jeff Green, despite turning 35, Still looks great. Still is extremely athletic. He's not quite LeBron James athletic, but he's still doing great. And he moves really well, switches really well against all players. And that's something the Nuggets didn't really have at their disposal. Against a team like Phoenix, would have been pretty interesting to see how they would have done. Bull Bull, he's going to get a chance. He and Zeke Naji. They're going to fight to earn time with the second unit. I've been penciling in Austin Rivers as the 10th man, as the option 
next to Faku Campazzo, PJ Dozier, Jeff Green, and Jamichael Green. I have been post I've been uh, penciling in Austin Rivers and a guard. But it's possible that if Bull Bull or Zeke Naji is just playing too well, that they're going to get minutes behind Nikola Jokic and maybe even next to him. Because the team would love to play their young guys. They know how valuable that is. I think everybody truly agrees there that the best thing for Denver is to continue to develop their young talent and prep for when Jamal Murray returns. So if Bones Highland, who is also going to get a shot, or Bull Bull or Zeke Naji breaks into the rotation, I think that's a great thing for Denver. I think it's very possible too. And anybody that's telling you that they can't is off their rocker. Do I expect it? No, because I, I'm not a I'm not super big into the these young guys for this particular group for this year. That doesn't mean that they can't work out. That doesn't mean that they're blocked. If they play well, they will play and they will play consistently. Michael Porter, his jumper, still one of the best in the biz. And that needs to be said. The Nuggets have one of the top five shooters in the entire sport. There are very few players that can do what Porter does and do it as efficiently as he does with the contests that are consistently coming his way. He's such a great scorer, and he leverages it so well that as he continues to prove that he's a 42, 43, 44, 45% three-point shooter, the teams are going to have to jump out on him more and more. And if he just makes one small development with his handle and getting stronger with the ball, he's going to be one of the best players in the NBA for a long, long time. And it's going to be great if he's doing it for the Nuggets. Lastly, Denver Stiffs, we're in a great place. Consistently putting together great content. I love my staff. I love my group. I think they're the best. And we've done a lot over the course of these last two years. I took over, I believe, September 13th of 2019. It might have been September 15th. I'll have to look back at the details. But right around this time, two years ago, I took over. And as you guys know, we've been through two years of hell since then. The start of that season was fine. For the Nuggets, it was a little bit shaky. But they were still a pretty good team. They were still really good, actually. Jokic wasn't at his best. But the Nuggets were still really good. They were still really talented. And then coronavirus happened. And then the bubble happened. And all the chaos with the Nuggets happened in the bubble. And then we got out of that. And Jeremy Grant left. Michael Porter was had, had the, the year that Michael Porter had this past season. It was very interesting and very difficult to cover. But it was a lot to talk about. That's for sure. We haven't had a normal media season for a while. I remember back when I was doing this in college, in South Carolina, 
not necessarily knowing what my future would hold. I remember my senior year getting to that point where, man, I have no idea what's going to happen. I came back home with my parents, not knowing that I'd be here for two years, not knowing that this would be where my ultimate direction went. But Adam Morris approached me as the site manager, said that he was going to DNVR, and said that he wanted me to take over. And I, of course, said yes, because I didn't have a direction. And I thought that I could do it. I thought that I could continue to hold down the ship and also make the site even better. I think we've accomplished that. I think we definitely have. Lots of improvements, lots of changes, lots of turnover. But through it all, we've been the site that supports Nuggets fans, that shares your views, that always does right by the fan base. We're going to wear our hearts on our sleeves. We're going to be passionate. We're going to care. It's not just going to be blanket media. It's not just going to be completely unbiased and out of the way. I'm always going to wear my heart on my sleeve, because if I don't, I wouldn't be true to what I am, clearly. That's kind of a crazy human being, but enough of the rambling. Uh, I'm in a good place. I'm, I'm doing really well, and I wouldn't be here without all of you. So that is it for Monday Positivity. Thank you so much. And that is it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to use promo code MHS if you are signing up for DraftKings and you want to go bet on Nikola Jokic to win MVP. They're doing same-game parlays now. Should be a lot of fun. I really do think that this is a good thing for the sports world, and it's going to be great for the growth of sports in general. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.